Good evening, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast, where we are dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. This is your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, hoping everyone is gearing up for a safe as well as jolly Merry Christmas. Oh, by the way, happy Christmas Eve. And as promised, I will be streaming a bonus episode tomorrow. Just a half hour long, but it's my Christmas gift to you. So without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two programs feature tonight are my favorite the hall of fantasy and the mole mystery theater quick history on the hall of fantasy it was a horror supernatural anthology series that first hit the airwaves in the mid 1940s locally in salt lake city utah and was created by announcers richard thorne and carl grison the show ended in 1947 with both men going their separate ways but they reconnected again in the early 50s and the series was resurrected nationwide on the mutual broadcasting system and ran from August 22nd 1952 to September 28th 1953 the radio play tonight is entitled Hangman's Rope and it was first broadcasted on January 5th 1953 And again, this is one of my favorite episodes. Extremely nerve-wracking, if you will. So, you know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Hangman's Rope. And now... The Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the series of radio dramas dedicated to the supernatural, the unusual, and the unknown. Come with me, my friends. We shall descend to the world of the unknown and forbidden, down to the depths where the veil of time is lifted, and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of The Hangman's Rope. Jim, it came from our right. We'd better take a look. Yeah. I hope nothing... Arnold! Huh? Look. Hanging from that tree, swinging back and forth... It's a man. The Hall of Fantasy will present The Hangman's Rope in just a moment. And now for our story, an original tale of fantasy entitled The Hangman's Rope. (laughs) There is a legend in hell, a tale about... The hangman, 
for 23 years the executioner for the crown. Jack Ketch was his nine, Governor. Jack Ketch. <laughs> We started back to the city later than usual. We hadn't been driving for more than half an hour when one of those sudden spring storms... Now, where did that come from? Someone said there might be a storm tonight, but I thought we'd be home before it broke. Well, we'd better put the wipers on. We started back too late tonight. What, uh, what was it that held us up, Jim? I don't know. A lot of things. When I finally looked at my watch, I couldn't believe my eyes. Yeah. Arnold, look huh? out. There's a man right in front of the car. Huh? You stay here, Carol. Come on, Arnie. We'd better take a look. Yeah, right. We didn't hit him, did we? I don't think so. Now, why would someone be out in the middle of the road on a night like this? Well, there's a lot of crazy people in this world, Arnie. Uh, he must have been one of them. Yeah, I'm getting soaked. Now, he was just about here. I, huh. I can't understand. Jim, look. Where? There. There beside the tree. I don't see anything. I guess I was wrong. You know, for a minute I thought... I thought I saw someone hanging from that tree. Oh, you must have been mistaken. You know, I can't figure this out, Arnie. That guy was out here on the road right in front of us. I saw him just as plain as day. <laughs> but now there's no one around. Yeah. We'd, uh, we'd better get back to the car. Yeah, that's for sure. There's no sense looking back at that tree, Arnie. There's nothing back there. I don't know. I, I thought I saw someone swinging there back and forth with a, with a rope around his neck. Oh, no, you couldn't have. Maybe it was some kind of optical illusion. It could have been a shadow or a branch or anything. Yeah, that's right. Anything. Well, there's the car. <laughs> you two must like it out there in the rain. Are you kidding? No, I'm not. All the time that you were out there in the rain, the man you almost hit was talking to me. What did you say? You heard me. Oh, now, sis, wait a minute. I looked back at the car a couple of times. I didn't see anyone talking to you. Well, I don't know what's wrong with your eyes, then. I asked him if we couldn't give him a lift. And he said, no, he, he only had a little distance to go. Carol, honey, this is the truth. We didn't see anyone near this car. No. Look, I can prove it. He insisted I take this... Oh, that's strange. What? He, he was... He was such an unusual man. Not American. He... He insisted that I accept a ring from him. Practically forced it on me. I put it in my pocket and... And now it, it's gone. And in its place... is a funny little piece of rope. Shaped like a... Like a hangman's noose. I knew Carol wasn't lying to us. I asked her if she would let me have the little piece of rope. After I dropped them off at their place, I went home, took it out, and set it on the table. I can't explain it, but there was something about that rope which seemed old. It was made of hemp, the kind of rope you would imagine Jack Ketch might have used 250 years ago when he was the hangman. That night, as I slept... 
my sleep was troubled. In my dreams, there was a huge black gallows. I saw a man climbing the stairs to his death. He reached the top and stood there. Standing beside him was a black-hooded man. He raised his hand and... The trap door sprung open. There was a scream. And then I saw this man swinging back and forth. His face was hidden from me, yet there was something strangely familiar about him. I felt as if I knew him quite well. We'll return to the tale of The Hangman's Rope in just a moment. Back now to our tale of fantasy entitled The Hangman's Rope. When I awoke from my dream, I couldn't get back to sleep. For in the black blankness of sleep, I had come into contact with death. As the morning approached, I fell into a nervous sleep. I was awakened. Hello? Arnie, this is Carol. Uh, could you meet Jim and me for lunch today? Mm. What time? Oh, about one. I hope you'll forgive me if I don't sound awake, Carol. I, I just couldn't sleep last night. I didn't sleep either, Arnie. I'll, I'll see you at one. Then I guess I wasn't the only one who missed out on sleep last night, huh? That's right. I don't know what it was, but I had the craziest dream. When I woke up, I couldn't get back to sleep. But that's what happened to me, too. What, uh, what kind of dream was it, Carol? Well, everything was dark and gloomy. I seemed to be watching a, an execution, an old-time execution. Maybe two or, or three hundred years old. A man walked up the steps of the gallows. Another man was there with a black hood over his head. He raised his arm. The trap door opened. And... And the the man swung back and forth. And there was something familiar about him. Isn't that right? Yes, but how did you know? Because my dream was the same as yours, sis. Exactly the same. Jim's and my vacations were due the following week. We decided to spend it up at the lake, where his family had a cottage. Carol said she might be able to join us on the last weekend, but not before that. Jim and I left the following Friday night. Well, I can certainly use this vacation. Maybe we can catch a few northerns this time, huh? (laughs) Maybe. Uh... Is your family going to come up here while we're there? No, no. Carol will be up the last weekend, that's all. Mm-hmm. Well, then I guess we'll have the place to ourselves, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Hey, why are you stopping here? Last Sunday night, this is where we stopped. I'm going to get out and take a look at the side of the road for a minute. Oh, Arnie, why don't you forget about it? I just want to check it, that's all. That's the tree, isn't it? I 
I think so. On that limb. That's where I saw him hanging. Oh, just thinking about it makes me nervous. Come on, let's go back to the car. All right. Carol said that while we were out of the car, she was talking to the fellow we saw. If that's the case, I can't understand why we didn't see him, too. You know, Jim, there just wasn't enough time for him to get away from the car without our seeing him. Unless... Unless what? Unless he was never there. Oh, but that could... Arnie! Look! In the car seat. Another little piece of rope. I could stop him, Jim threw the little noose out into the darkness. A little piece of rope, an inanimate thing, coiled and twisted, which somehow seemed to be alive. We reached the cottage perhaps half an hour later, and though we were both disturbed by what had happened, still it didn't interfere with our sleep. The next day, we went out fishing early, had little luck, and were on our way back to the cottage when the woman who owned the property next door stopped us. Good morning, Mr. Stanley. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Bennett. Uh, out for the weekend? Well, for the next two weeks. Oh, excuse me, uh, Mrs. Bennett, this is Arnold Slade. Uh, pleased to meet you, Mr. Slade. Well, thank you. Same here. Uh, you must be that young man that Carol's going to marry. Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, she'll make you a fine wife, Mr. Slade. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, the reason I stopped you, Mr. Stanley, is, is this. Mm-hmm. There's something strange going on out here. Oh, what do you mean? Well... The constable came by the other day and asked me if I'd seen any strangers here. A couple of people have died over on the other side of the lake. And the constable ain't been able to find out what happened. How... how did these people die? Well, that's what's so strange about it. Both of them were killed by hanging. Hanging? That's right. Old Mr. Taylor, who who lived about a, a mile down by the shore, he was one of them. And he couldn't hardly walk. They found him swinging from a tree. But he was several feet off the ground. And nobody can figure out how he got up there. What the woman had said frightened me. It seemed as if we were getting deeper and ever more deeply into something from which we would never be able to get away. That night, it was Saturday, Jim and I went out for a walk... It was a particularly dark night. The moon was obscured by clouds, and as we walked along, I could hear the chirping of many crickets, and occasionally a bullfrog's hoarse voice raised in protest. Arnold, this thing has me worried. In what way, Jim? This whole thing, last Sunday night and today, when we stopped by the tree, and then what Mrs. Bennett told us. I've been thinking about it, too. Well, that's strange. What? The crickets have suddenly stopped. It's too quiet. Jim, it came from over there. We better take a look. Yeah. It's too quiet, just as you said. There must be something terribly wrong up here. I hope nothing. Arnold's gone. Huh? Look. Hanging from that tree, swinging back and forth. It's. It's a man. What are we going to do? We better cut him down. No. 
We better call the authorities first. I guess you're right. Come on, Mrs. Bennett's got a phone. If we hurry, we may be able to get out a great deal of help to the authorities. Jim, did you notice how high that branch was? I saw it. Yes. Why, Mr. Stanley, it's you. Uh, Mrs. Bennett, may we use your phone? Well, I suppose so. Uh, come in. Thanks. Thank you. But it's in the other room. Thanks. Well, what's the matter, Mr. Slade? It looks like something's happened to upset you two. Well, it, has. it certainly has. The constable. Why, what's happened? We were out Mr. for Jim a walk. Yes? yes? We sir. heard a scream. I oh. think you'd better we get out of where the away. scream had we come from. And hanging from a tree. We found a man hanging from a tree. That's right, hanging. Yes, we'll stay here at Mrs. Bennett's. Yeah, thanks. Oh, what, you're telling me the truth, young man? That's the truth, ma'am. Mr. Stanley, is what Mr. Slade told me the truth? I'm afraid it is. Oh, then no one is safe around here. I wonder who it was. What difference does that make, Mrs. Bennett? A man's been murdered. It makes a lot of difference, Mr. Slade. If it was Bill Roberts, then it was just like the other two. I saw him just the other day, and he said someone was playing a joke on him, that he'd been sent a, a little piece of rope shaped in the form of a noose. You are listening to the tale of The Hangman's Rope on this week's journey down the corridors of the Hall of Fantasy. We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now, back to our story, entitled The Hangman's Rope. A little piece of rope. Both Jim and I stared at each other for a moment. It might be coincidence. We knew that, but it was difficult trying to make ourselves believe that. About half an hour later, the constable arrived. You two found him, is that right, Mr. Stanley? That's right. We uh, were out taking a walk. We heard a scream, and then we found him. Can't make heads nor tails out of this. Three of them. Three deaths in two weeks, all the same way. They all received a little piece of rope just before they died. A little piece of rope? Yeah, that's right. I say all three. I ain't seen the body yet, but I have a pretty good idea who it is. Bill Roberts. It's enough to make a person afraid of the dark, Constable. Yeah, ain't it? Well, I want you two to take me to him. I'll go, too. No, you stay oh, here. But... You stay off the phone. Oh. I don't want the rest of the people to hear anything about this, at least for the time being. Things are bad enough as it is. All right, come on, let's go. Now, remember what I said, Mrs. Bennett. Don't you worry, none, Constable. I hope that woman stays off the phone. The whole county will be in an uproar if she doesn't. Do you, uh, have any idea who's behind these deaths? Well, I haven't. Funny thing, he was up so high. I don't see how he could have gotten up there by himself. I only wish I had something to work on. Well, we'll see if he's just like the others in a little while. How far away was he? There. There he is, Constable. I want to get a look at his face. Yeah. I was afraid of that. Who is it? Bill Roberts. But how did he get up there? The branch is 20 feet off the ground. It would take an acrobat to climb that tree. Bill wasn't any acrobat. Well, how did he get up there? I don't know. Three people received pieces of rope, and then a couple of weeks later, we find him hanging from a tree. 
You tell me the answer. We cut him down, but it took almost an hour to get up on that branch to do it. We put him in the constable's car and drove him back to town. Before he left, we told him that we too had received the little gift, the noose of rope, which had been in three instances the forerunner of death. When we got back to the cottage, we had a bite to eat, and seeing as we weren't in the mood to sleep, we sat down to read. I picked up a little book I hadn't seen before and read it from cover to cover. It held an eerie fascination, and I wasn't able to put it down till the last page had been turned, the last word read. Jim? Hmm? Where did you get this book? I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen it before. Why? It looks like a first edition of 200 years ago. Well, let me see it. Here. Hmm. A short history concerning the mysterious reappearance of Jack Ketch, a hangman who served as executioner for 23 years. I've never seen this book before. Well, then how did it get here? I don't know. Hmm, Jack Ketch. Say, he was the hangman in England who took too much pleasure in his work. Isn't that right? I think so. How much of this did you read? All of it. It's not very long. And this is what I got out of it. Before he died, the book says he had made some kind of a pact with an evil power. It seems they actually do have a written copy of that agreement somewhere in England. And there's his signature. And an illegible scrawl that no one has ever been able to decipher. The pact promises life after death for him in exchange for certain services. Then the book says that year after year some rather mysterious deaths have occurred. They find the victims hanging from the branch of a tree. A tree almost impossible to climb. And the book also says that each of the murdered people received a little piece of rope before their deaths, identical to the ones Jack Ketch used as executioner. That is the warning. The warning of death to follow. But that's impossible. The man's been dead for over 250 years. That's right, he's dead. But the rest of the story, it's exactly the same thing that's happening to us. Two days later, in late evening, the rest of the story unfolded. Jim had gone down to the store to pick up some cigarettes. I'd been down to the shore doing a little fly casting and had started back up to the cottage. I was surprised at how quickly night had fallen. I wished that I'd brought along a flashlight. From somewhere across the lake, I heard the cry of a dog, and the sound of it filtered through and was carried along by the night air. For some reason, I became unaccountably nervous. I stopped walking. I felt someone was watching me. Then, from the darkness of the trees, a man emerged. Here now. Where be you going? Well, back up to my cottage. I was doing some fly casting till night came. Any luck? No. Uh, I'd better be going. No need to hurry away. Nice out here, ain't it? I suppose so. Strange thing, you know. The little creatures. They stopped. Little creatures? That's right, Governor. 
crickets and the frogs. I stopped talking. Yes, they... They have. You frightened me, Governor? Of course not. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You wouldn't understand it, Governor. Is that you down there, Mr. Slade? Oh, uh... Uh, yes, Mrs. Bennett. Uh, do you mind if I join you? No, no, of course not. Ah, oh, good. Oh, I'd better be going, eh, Governor? I'll see you another time. Uh, <laughs> who, who are you talking to? I don't know. He, he, he just stepped out of the darkness and there he was. Well, I, I guess he's gone now. Yes, I guess he is. Where is Mr. Stanley? Well, he went down to pick up some cigarettes. He should be back soon. Oh, well, the constable told me to tell you that, that he'd be out tonight. Oh, thank you. Would would you mind walking me back to my place, Mr. Slade? It, it's rather frightening out here when it's this dark. I'll be glad to. That man you were talking to, what, what did he look like? Well, I don't know. I couldn't see his face. He had an accent. It sounded mm. like he might have come from London, Wait a minute. Huh? I... I can't understand it. The crickets and frogs, they've been starting and stopping all night. They must be afraid of something. Every time they stop... What'd you say? Every time they stop, something happens. Arnold, where are you? Uh, I'm walking Mrs. Bennett back to her cottage. Anything wrong? No. I got back from the store and I was wondering where you were. It's just that I have a strange feeling that something is going to happen. Let's go up to our place, Mrs. Bennett. Maybe the constable will want to see you, too. That's a good idea. Land sakes, Mr. Slade. The strangest things have been happening out here lately. Arnold! We'll be right there, Jim. Well, there's someone up here now. I thought I was... Jim! Something's wrong, Mr. Slade. I don't know. Jim, what's the matter? Answer me! Mr. Slade, look! Oh, hanging from that tree. It's, it's Mr. Stanley! There is a legend, you know, a pile about the hangman. For 23 years, the executioner for the crown. Jack Ketch was his nine governor. <laughs> Jack Ketch. Characters and events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental.
Well, hopefully that chilled your blood a little. <laughs> now, our next program is called The Mole Mystery Theater, which was an anthology radio series that debuted on NBC on September 7th, 1943 and ended in 1948 when it moved to CBS. Now, when I was doing my research on this series, I discovered that there is much confusion about how long this program stayed on the air. Some feel it ran from 1943 to 1948, but others are adamant that it had a 11 year run, 1943 to 1954, on various networks under different names with changing formats. Personally, I feel the original and most successful run was from 1943 to 1948 when it was on NBC and was hosted by criminologist Jeffrey Barnes, who was portrayed by actor Bernard Monroe. Now, Barnes was viewed more as an, and I hope I pronounced this word correctly, annotator more than a host, meaning he was seen as a commentator who observed what was occurring with the various characters and gave his opinion. The radio play tonight is called The Creeper, and it first aired on April 11th, 1947. So, sit back, turn down the lights, well, just a little bit, and listen to The Creeper. Mole Mystery Fit, brought to you by M-O-L-L-E. Mole, the heavier brushless shaving cream for tender skin. Good evening. This is Jeffrey Barnes, welcoming you to the program that presents the best in mystery and detective fiction. Tonight's play is a modern melodrama with the emphasis upon terror and suspense. It's entitled The Creeper, and is the story of a mysterious killer of that name, an unknown madman who terrifies an entire city by a series of murders. And just who is the creeper? Well, answering that question is the challenge of tonight's play. And Joseph Ruscoe, the author, has cleverly fashioned a story deliberately designed to fool you. So be on your guard. You've had fair warning. Gee, Mr. Barnes, I'm scared before we even get started. All and say that reminds me. Men, if just the thought of shaving gives you the willies because you have wiry, hard-to-cut whiskers or tender skin, try this. Shave with Mole, the heavier brushless shaving cream. Yes, sir, with Mole, it's smooth. So smooth. It's slick. So slick. It's a smooth, smooth, slick, slick shave you get with M-O-L-L-E. Mole, the heavier brushless cream for tender skin. That's right. Mole is the shaving cream that's heavier. The cream that's especially good for a wiry, hard-to-cut beard or a tender skin. Because Mole is heavier, it not only softens your whiskers, it stands them up straighter and your razor clips them off clean as a whistle. So you shave faster, closer, easier... 
and you shave painlessly with Mole, the heavier brushless cream for tender skins. Mole. And now for tonight's Mole mystery, The Creeper. kitchenette of a New York apartment. A man and his wife listened to a morning news broadcast. New York. The unknown killer called the Creeper has struck again, adding a third female corpse to his toll. Virginia Peters, a comely waitress, was found strangled to death in her third floor apartment early this morning while her radio blared. As in the previous murders, a note was found scrawled on the wall with the victim's lipstick and the plea, for heaven's sake, catch me before I kill more. I cannot control myself. Police insist... Why'd you turn it off? How awful. How awful. And in this very neighborhood. Let's hear the rest. It intrigues me. Oh, you. Don't go turning that radio on against Steve Grant. I've heard enough. Go out of my mind, for heaven's sake. That's it. That's a good, solid clue. What is? For heaven's sake. How many men ever use that expression? Oh, shut up. Okay, Mrs. Grant. Pass the biscuits, my little pigeon. Pass the biscuits. Eat, eat, eat. Three women in three days murdered in cold blood by a mad fiend right here in the Heights. I'm too sick to go out, too scared to stay in the locks broke. And he sits there eating, eating, past the biscuits. There's nothing wrong with my appetite, my love. Well, of course. That's what costs you your job on the police force. <laughs> Why, when I even think of it. Some men drink to escape. I eat. Escape what? What? An ugly tongue, a beautiful face, and a roving eye. In short, a wife. <laughs> You're starting that again. You and your crazy jealousy. Maybe that's the creeper's way of escaping, too, Georgia. No. Oh, shut up. Go ahead and get a divorce. Go ahead. Can I help it if men look at me? I don't know why you come home at all. Where do you go? What do you do with yourself? Where were you this morning and why'd you come back anyway? To eat. <laughs> Someday I'll lose my appetite for that, too. When I do, my dear... There'll be no escape. Well, now I'm off again. Kiss? Still using stage lipstick. Oh, wipe it off. How many times did I tell you? You're married now, remember? Oh, Steve, wait. Yeah? At least go buy me my medicine. Sorry, no time. Oh, don't leave me here alone. Stay home this afternoon. Please. I'm afraid. Ah, don't be silly, pet. Nothing will happen to you. Keep a doorman here, an elevator boy, Mrs. Stone across the hall, a phone... Yes, safe enough. Oh, but the night lock, it doesn't work. Well, now you can't lock me out anymore. Something's happened to it since last night. It doesn't catch. Oh, get a new one. Well, I can't get a lock. I've tried all morning. Oh, oh, please. Oh, all right. If I want to phone you, where will you be? Out. Goodbye, my dear. Take care of your cold. <laughs> Pearly Chase. Yeah, you got thrown off the force, Steve. Yeah, you got thrown off the news, Pearly. You heard wrong. I wasn't fired. I was just warned. Well, I wasn't fired either. Just suspended for three days. I eat too much. It's my trouble. I drink too much. Here, you're living up at the Heights, Steve. Yeah. That's funny. Me too. 
Here you're married now to a beautiful and lovely young... With admiration. <laughs> I say that again. Used to be on the stage, you know. Yeah, I think I knew her. Wasn't her stage name Georgia Dixon? No, that's her. I love that wench, but... Ah, women. How does a guy handle them? Maybe the creeper has the right method. <laughs> Thank you for taking the words right out of my mouth. Who is the creeper, Steve? Any angles? You tell me, and I'll split the reward with you. <laughs> now, there's one thing, though, and I don't think even the police have put it together yet. Yeah? In all three cases, just before the creeper struck, the door locks had already been tampered with. Oh, sir. Yeah. You got a theory? Well, sure. I mean, uh, take that note on the wall. For heaven's sake. In every case, for heaven's sake, catch me before I kill more. I cannot control myself. Right. Now, what man uses an expression like that? The long and short of it is this. The creeper is a woman. <laughs> a ruse. Just like the height of the message from the floor is a ruse. Six feet. And yet I'll lay you odds. The creeper's no more than a guy your height, say, or mine. Five nine, just like us, you and me. Only, uh, crazy. How do you figure that? How do I figure lots of things? <laughs> How do I know where the creeper's going to strike next? You do? Certainly. The creeper's not so smart. He's just crazy. You play along crazy, see, and you one jump ahead of him. That's the trouble with the police. Why, they're up a tree. You expect logical clues from a madman? No. You play along crazy. Make out you're the creeper. What's your compulsion? Go ahead. Let's see. All right. The victims are all redheads, every one. You've noticed that, of course. Three in three days. Now that you... They all lived in the heights, right? Agnes Martin, Jane Krutsky, Selma Davis. Right. What was the number of the apartment in each case? <laughs> Agnes lived in 1A. Jane, 2B. Selma, 3C. Don't ask me the why or the wherefore. Don't ask me the logic. Just play along crazy. You see what I mean? See where he's going to strike next? Mm. Oh, get what The you... next victim of the creeper lives in the heights. She's a redhead. Her night lock's been tampered with. She's going to get hers today. And her apartment number is 4D. Well, why are you staring at me? You don't like my arithmetic? Why are you staring? My wife's a redhead, Curly. We live in the Heights. Our apartment number is... Ah, you're just a boozy reporter. <laughs> Your uh, apartment number? 4D, I told you. Uh, 4D, of course. <laughs> I'll, I'll have it delivered. I was busy admiring your lipstick, Mrs. Grant. I've nothing like it in stock. Uh, 4D, I should have guessed it anyway. Why? Uh, face is a number, believe me. Since you've moved into the neighborhood, Mrs. Grant, for me, it has a, it has a special number, like Double Dandy Delicious Dream, 4Ds. You see? Ha, <laughs> <laughs> ha. I'll bet you tell that to every customer, female. I'm a ladies' man? Like the creeper? Huh? Uh, oh, what did I say? Well, what's going on in this block? Uh, raw nerves, you, you can't joke. The, the creeper, the creeper, that's all I hear all day. It's mass hysteria. Oh, there ain't such an animal. You, you don't think so? I assure you, Mrs. Grant, it is the fairy tale. For circulation of the tabloids. I'll send your prescription up for the boy. Oh, no, no, I'll, I'll just wait here for it. Well, it'll take some time. You should go right home and stay there if you're getting over the flu, believe me. I'll deliver it myself. It'll be a pleasure. Oh, no, 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 I'll wait. I, 
I may not go right back. I don't want to be there all alone. I, I'm afraid. Oh, very well. Uh, suit yourself. Uh, have a seat. For heaven's sake, stop me before I feel more. What? I cannot control <laughs> Wait. That paper's note I had reference to. How such a penny can... Wait, Mrs. Franco, the scripture... Such a scare. I sense all these awful murders in this neighborhood. Yes, isn't it terrible? You're walking home? Huh. I guess so. I'll go with you. It's good we live in the same house. At least if I had a double lock. But the night one doesn't work. Can't get a locksmith. They're all so busy. Mm. But don't you worry. We'll stay together this afternoon till our husbands come home. Think of it. We've never visited, though we live right across the hall from each other. Isn't that like a big city, for heaven's sake? Or would you rather I dropped in on you? Well, I... Then make it yours, then. Isn't it terrible? The ghastly things they're saying, the theories. One doesn't know what to expect next. You believe the latest? The latest? That maybe it's the woman, the creeper. A woman? Can you beat it? I can't imagine how in the world the police figured that, for heaven's sake, can you? Well, I... I don't know. I... I'm just thinking of something my husband said. Though I can see where a married woman now, if her husband was faithless, say, or perhaps only weak, no will of his own against a vile, cheap thing in skirts. And if the wife, say... Was merely getting at those female homebreakers. Well, I can understand such a theory. Because you take my husband now. You've met Mr. Stone, haven't you? Oh. Why, Mrs. Grant, why on earth are you staring at me like that, for heaven's sake? Uh, I don't feel well. I must get home at once. I feel faint. But Mrs. Grant, for heaven's sake! <laughs> As the curtain falls on Act One of tonight's Mole Mystery, the big question is, is the creeper a man or a woman? Come to think of it, a man wouldn't use the expression, for heaven's sake, would he, Dan? Well, no, Mr. Barnes, but there are times when he might say a lot worse. For instance, sometimes he's apt to say something like, gee... Uh-oh, uh, watch your language. Well, I was only going to say, jeepers, I'd rather face a firing squad than shave. And say, man, if that's the way you feel about your morning shave, chances are you've got wiry whiskers or a tender skin. So try Mole, the heavier brushless shaving cream for tender skins, and get a shave that's smooth as a waltz. Yes, Mole is a heavier cream, the cream that not only softens your whiskers, but holds them up like a blade of grass and lets your razor mow them down easily. With Mole, you shave faster, closer, easier, and you shave painlessly. Try it and see if you don't say, it's smooth, so smooth, it's slick, so slick. It's a smooth, smooth, slick, slick shave you get with M-O-L-L-E. Mole, the heavier brushless shaving cream for tender skins. Mole. And now back to Jeffrey Barnes and Act Two of The Creeper. Georgia Grant is in terror that she is to be the next victim of a mad killer known as the Creeper. She suspects everyone she meets, both men and women. Now, in panic, she dashes through the streets, unnerved after an encounter with a neighbor, Mrs. Stone. 
Good afternoon, ma'am. Oh. Out shopping? Oh, I... You're the new doorman, huh? Yeah, just relieving Charlie. Uh, nice weather out. Uh, help you with your packages? Uh, no, thank you. Uh, let me ring the elevator for you. No, you don't have to trouble. Oh, no trouble, ma'am. There. Apartment 4D, huh? Oh, yes. How'd you know? <laughs> Doesn't take long. Going out? Oh, yes, yes. Up and down, up and down. The ups and downs of life, that's me. I'm a living milkshake, Mrs. Grant. Ah. Uh-oh. What's wrong, Jimmy? Stuck. <laughs> Imagine getting stuck between the second and third with a production like you. Get going, Sonny. Do you want me to report you? <laughs> okay, okay. Can't you take a joke? Maybe I, uh, I misconstrued that smile you always give me. Maybe you shouldn't ought to smile that way. Fourth floor. Let me out. <laughs> if I drop in later, would you be more receptive? Oh, oh thank goodness it left. I must have gone out of my mind. Key. Where's my key? This darn lock. This darn lock. The locksmith in yet? Well, I want to know how soon I can get my lock changed. Yes, of course I left my order. Hello, George. <laughs> Don't Why you foolish me? You want the whole house to hear? Yeah, that's better. What are you doing here? I'm playing along crazy. What are you talking about? How'd you get in here? <laughs> Alias Pearly Valentine. Take it easy. You haven't a thing to worry about. I've come to protect you. Give me the phone. Hello? Never mind about the lock, thank you. Yeah, a long time no see, Georgia. What do you want, Pearlie? Me? <laughs> a headline. Your husband wants, too. He wants I should keep an eye on you. What's that? Sure. You didn't think Steve and I were acquainted, did you? Yeah, from way back. Just met him at a bar. I don't believe you. What do you mean, keep an eye on me? Oh, just in case the creeper... <laughs> You've heard of the character? You're mad. You've always been mad, Pearly Chase. Where is he? Why should he send you? Why should he think the creep will come here? What are you doing here? Oh, you're playing along crazy. Got a drink? You're drunk now and you're getting right out of here. You're nothing but a no-good rummy. And you're nothing but a no-good... Die, you finish it. When I took the drink, it was to drown you out. You know it. I'm still a rum pot, Angel, which means I haven't got rid of you. Yet. Get out. You little two-timing redhead. You're all the same, you redhead. Why, you... You haven't changed, have you? Even a wedding ring can't do that to you. Oh, come on. Don't play the innocent. My business is snooping. I make a living at it. Between drinks. <laughs> so your new motto's love thy neighbor, huh? Mr. Stone across the hall? Poor dumb Steve. Why, you dirty... <laughs> Sit down, Charlie. Just play along with me while I play along crazy. Sit down. 
That's it. It's like we're expecting company. I must be crazy doing this. Why wait here for the creeper? Why not a hundred other streets, a thousand other apartments, a million other dames? Because I'm riding my hunch, that's why. Let's have some music. Don't just sit. Let's have some music. Turn on the radio. Let's dance. That's it. Now let's dance. Give me your arm. Let's dance. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, just like old times, huh? Around and around, just like my brain. Why are you trembling? I still love you, you little fool. Come on, ask me why. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, you lovely redhead. I could kill you and you deserve it. With the radio on, you could scream and nobody would hear. I could put my hand on your throat like this, see? And I could strangle you. Early, don't! Why are you... Why are you crying? Stop it! I'm here to protect you. Stop crying. Cut it, cut it, cut it, cut it. I can't stand it. I never could! Okay, okay, you want me to leave? You want me to leave? All right, I will. It's your funeral. What am I saving you for anyway? Where's my hat? In a few minutes, there'll be a knock or a ring, or the door will just open, see? And you'll be lying in a pool of blood, just like the other three. Goodbye, my worthless. Give my regards to the creeper. That look in his eyes, like a madman's. What if he comes back? He wants to kill me. He wants to kill me. Someone wants to kill me. Like the other three. Pool of blood. Like the other three. Like the other three. Any minute now. There'll be a knock. A ring. This is Jeffrey Barnes again. In just a moment, we'll bring you Act Three of The Creeper. Thousands of people who suffer the social and business handicap of dandruff are discovering that the way to combat it effectively is with double dandering. You see, double dandering is unlike many hair preparations available today. For such products really do no more to fight a common type of dandruff than plain water does. That is, they simply wash loose dandruff away. But double dandering actually combats this dandruff by killing the germs that many outstanding authorities contend are its cause. And double dandering kills these germs on contact. Now, a special ingredient named Alzan is the reason for double dandering's amazing effectiveness. Alzan is an active antiseptic so remarkably efficient, many hospitals use it. And of all hair preparations, only double dandering has it. So try double dandrine and see if you don't agree that most ordinary hair preparations can't compare with its dandruff-combating effectiveness. If you're not satisfied, return the empty bottle and get your money back. Buy double dandrine at your druggist's.
Yes. This is the doorman, Mrs. Grant. Yes. The druggist is here with the medicine. Shall I let him come up? The medicine? Why, sure, I'll let him... Oh. Now, don't let that man up. Want me to bring it up? No, no. No, I'm perfectly all right. I don't need it. You hear? Don't you dare come up. Don't anyone. Locksmith? Oh, please. Please, I must have a change right away. My lock. My door lock. Yes, this is Mrs. Grant. Yes, I do want it, of course. Anyone can get in here. Anyone. They want to murder me, but I don't know who. It's the creeper. You'll come? Right away? Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. But hurry, please. Hurry, I'll go out of my mind. Oh, 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 oh thank the Lord. What if he doesn't come in time? Like the other three. A pool of blood. Any minute now. There'll be a knock. A ring. <laughs> Who's there? It's me, dear, Mrs. Stone. Oh. What do you want? Why, I've been worried about you. Are you ill? No. No, I'm all right, Mrs. Stone. I'm feeling fine. Open up, dear. Don't you want me to keep you company? No. No, thank you. I was just... Stop it! Oh, let me in, silly. No, no, no. Go away. I'm going to sleep. Go away. You hear me? Go away. Hello. Oh, Georgia. You all right? Oh, Steve, Steve. I've been so frantic. It's so good to hear your voice. Where are you? At headquarters. Coming right home. Sweetheart, is anything wrong? You sound... Oh, not now. Not when I need you, Steve. I don't know what came over me all day. I've been imagining things. So silly, my nerves. Forgive me for this morning, darling. I, I wasn't myself. My job had me down, but now everything's... Oh, of course. Okay. Forgive me, Steve. I've been bad, bad, wicked. Oh, if you know what I've gone through today. The most dreadful state. And then that... Oh, Steve. Did you send someone here today? Early chase. And you did. To keep you company. Isn't he still with you? I know. I, I just got rid of him. Wish you hadn't. He's an all right guy, smart reporter. Lives in the neighborhood, too. Honey, I know it sounds cockeyed. I mean, Burley's theory, but I was a bit worried when I got to thinking, so. Listen, Georgia. Don't let anyone in the house till I get home. Oh, I won't see you. Not anyone, do you hear? Not anyone. Oh. oh, wait, Steve. Lock, Hello. Oh, wait, Steve. It's. Oh, thank goodness at last. Now I can breathe easy. Just a minute, dear. Hello, Georgia. Georgia, hello. Hello. Oh, thank goodness. Come. Please step in. It's the lock on this door I want. Uh, just a moment. My husband's on the phone. Steve? What happened? Something else I wanted to... Oh, it's all right. Everything's all right now, Steve. You needn't worry. Didn't I just hear you talking to someone? Was that someone at the door? It was no one, Steve. Just Mr. Frank, the locksmith. Oh, what a load the of... locksmith, Georgia, listen. Listen, Georgia, that's what I was going to tell you. What is it? The police are on a new trail. They think maybe a locksmith. Georgia, you listening? What nice lipstick you use, Mrs. Grant. Before I kill more. For heaven's sake. (laughs) 
Hello, city desk. Pearly Chase. Now shut up and listen. On that creeper story I just gave you, I had this dope. The reward for his capture goes to the elevator boy. He heard Georgia Grant scream and called a cop. The creeper was shot running from the building. Yeah, it's ironical, isn't it? Imagine the locksmith was the killer. The one man Georgia thought would protect him. What an ending to a lovely, lovely redhead. And now this is Jeffrey Barnes bringing down the final curtain on tonight's presentation of The Creeper. Join us again next week when we present a hard-boiled crime story entitled Spanish Blood and written by one of the greatest names in detective fiction, Raymond Chandler. Mr. Chandler is known to all of you as the writer of the recent hit movie, Murder, My Sweet. So don't miss a real hard-hitting, hard-boiled melodrama next week when we present Raymond Chandler's Spanish Blood. The original music for the Mole Mystery Theater is composed and conducted by Alexander Sendler. The Creeper was written by Joseph Ruskoll, and Charlotte Manson was featured in tonight's program. This is Dan Seymour saying good night until next Friday at this same time when the Mystery Theater presents Spanish Blood. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. That's our show for this evening. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or look for me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. Or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. This is Keith. This is your host, <laughs> Keith, a.k.a. the Radio Show Nerd. Reminding you, there will be a bonus episode tomorrow. Again, this is Keith, the Radio Show Nerd, signing off. <laughs>